0: Trademarks owned by Beckler AB to CV Twenty Twenty Four, Proximo, Jersey City,
1: New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
2: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank.
3: There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists.
1: Here are your hosts, John Annick and Kenny Florian.
0: Some weeks when I hear that clip of us calling fights together, circa 2015, I get more emotional than others. Some weeks I'm so focused on Habib and the show that I'm not even listening to the open. Today, though, I'm getting a little bit emotional. Maybe it's just because I'm 42.
1: The good old days. Remember that? Not that Prepping long ago. Bites, man.
0: Well, today is One Sunday, day. November first, two thousand twenty. Quick turn for episode two seventy four of the Anakin Florian podcast. A lot to get to today. We're certainly going to try not to shortchange Anderson Silva and Bryce Mitchell and everything that happened over the weekend at the ufc apex but a lot of the headlines really center on what dana white said after the fight so we'll get into some of that and time permitting also uh ken flo's thoughts on hamza Chimaya versus leon edwards what a main event that is december 19th and and what a way to close out the year but uh we begin headlines with one of the best to ever do it ken flo the former ufc middleweight champion anderson silva uh does not go out in style if this is his last ufc fight i thought there were uh moments of of shine if you will for him but overall not the result he was looking for Uh, Dana White was regretful after the fact for even giving him this opportunity big win for Uriah Hall but the story obviously is Silva who seemingly steps away after after this final UFC start at 45 years old
1: you know I I have no idea why uh, Dana um, is kind of regretful of putting him in there I I think that this was one of the better performances from Anderson Silva in a long time, in my opinion. I yeah. thought he looked tuned into the fight. Um, I thought his chin was tucked. He was really trying to stay active. Um, I thought where it went wrong for him was when he started getting overly aggressive and started winging punches, with which threw himself off balance. And right around that same time, I think we had a tuned-in Uriah Hall. And once he started landing some shots, and after he dropped Anderson, Um, I thought Uriah kind of shifted his confidence uh, tremendously in the positive direction and caught Anderson again and then was able to put him away. Um, And, uh, you know, I think Anderson is retiring, Um, I, I think, at a good time. I hope that he does stay retired. Uh, you know, because I don't want to see his legacy tarnished anymore. Uh, But uh, I thought this was one of his better performances in a long time. John. Yeah. I think there
0: was a lot to extract from this performance. That was good. And you're right. It was almost his own wayward offense that was used against him by Uriah Hall. Dana just didn't seem in a particularly great mood after the fact. He also said of Uriah Hall. I'm not sure if you caught caught the soundbite, but he said he was one of the most gun shy fighters in the UFC. How would you assess the Uriah Hall performance? performance. Certainly there was an uptick in the aggression and late in that third round. And, and obviously when the main event rounds begun, uh, he found that, uh, that knockout stroke,
1: you know, I guess it's always easy to see, um, you know, a fire and be like, that's not very hot. I'd walk through that. looks seems, seem, yeah. seems uh, <laughs> easy enough. All right. Um, you know, Uriah Hall's fighting Anderson Silva, okay? He's fighting Anderson Silva. Now, when you fight a guy like Anderson Silva, you're fighting the legend, you're fighting the myth, and you're also fighting the actual fighter who has the technical skills and the power to still put you out. So I I think, while I do think that Uriah Hall was trying to find Anderson's rhythm out there and trying to get uh, his confidence going, uh, I do think that you do want to have a certain amount of caution, right? I mean- Right. Just to go forward and be like, uh, you know, I don't understand why he just doesn't go out there and look to knock him out. That is not an easy thing to do and not an easy thing to do against a, a tall, lanky, extremely experienced and technical Anderson Silva. And ultimately, if you're Uriah
0: Hall, what you're looking for, I keep going back to the Wikipedia page, but you're looking for a green stripe next to Anderson Silva, and you're looking for a finish. And it's almost like you don't care how you get it. Ideally, you don't get it by him getting injured. But Uriah Hall went in there to finish the fight. Uh, I do think there was sort of a calculated nature to him, especially early on, and and I'm certainly okay with it. Uh, But as far as putting Anderson Silva's career into proper context, it is very weird to have all these all-timers sort of retiring around the same time. Daniel Cormier, Khabib Nurmagomedov last week. More on that in a minute, of course, because that seems less final maybe than it did a week ago. But you have Anderson Silva, who at one point was the measuring stick for pound-for-pound for pound greatness, Ken Flo, the most dominant champion in the UFC. And the ledger goes from 33 and four to 34 and 11. And it's hard for me to not think about the end of your career. And I know it was a back injury that ultimately forced you to step away, but your last fight was for a belt and you just weren't going to hang around. And, be looking at an ugly Wikipedia page with a bunch of red at the end of your career. And so he goes 33 and four to 34 and 11. If I'm inclusive in the goat conversation, he is certainly in my top five. I don't know how you talk about UFC history without repeatedly getting back to the name Anderson Silva. Uh, but public
1: opinion seems very much split as far as his legacy is concerned. John, I appreciate you trying to inject me into the goat conversation. You know, I, hey. I'm just not going to accept that though, John, well, you know, I refute. No, I'll just, of course I'm joking. Um, you know, uh, I I think that, you know, for Anderson, yeah, it's tough, man. You know, again, I think so, so many fighters just kind of uh, become institutionalized in a lot of ways. And just, this is the only thing we know. And the only thing we do. Um, I do think though, that when you look at Anderson Silva, um, there are kind of two of them, right? There's the Anderson Silva that when he's electric and when he finds a willing dance partner, not only will he beat you, but he'll make you look foolish. He could defeat a Victor Belfort in the first round where not a whole lot is happening. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Vitor Belfort is sleeping on the canvas in round one. So, you know, he has these magical type skills when he's on. But when he's off, he'll have a fight against, let's say, a Damian Maia at 185 pounds where they're kind of, you know, looking at each other for a long time and not, not a whole lot of action going on. But I will argue that when Anderson Silva was on, there were very few people that were on his level that he could absolutely uh you know stake a claim to being the greatest of all time when he was on his game. He was just unbelievable. Whether you look at his performance against Forrest Griffin at 205 pounds or so much of uh, so many of the the amazing knockouts that he had throughout his career, Anderson Silva was the man
0: to be able to interview him in that octagon in Brazil I believe after his loss to Jared Cannonier, is something that I'll never forget he's the consummate gentleman dear friend of one of our longtime listeners Heidi Dean UFC staffer and I know this is an emotional morning and week for Heidi and a lot of people who got to know this just giant of a man I mean there's no overstating his legend for me if you want to put an asterisk on it uh, then go ahead and do so but uh, we congratulate Anderson Silva on obviously a historic career as far as Uriah Hall's concerned you know competitive top 10 fighter. I think if you read deeper into what Dana White was saying, he just didn't see Uriah Hall looking the part of truly elite, bona fide middleweight contender taking advantage of a main event spotlight, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not putting Israel Adesanya on a Valentina Shevchenko level in terms of dominating his or her respective opposition, but you didn't watch Uriah Hall Saturday night, Ken Flo and think that he's not,
1: you know, plus five, plus 600 against Israel Adesanya, right? Yeah, um, I I would say so. You know, I I think the other thing is, you know, while we're bringing up Israel Adesanya, I mean, let's look at Israel's fight against Anderson Silva. I I mean, it's not like he went out there and got the finish against him either. I mean, so – Anderson Silva isn't exactly an easy guy to just go out there and just knock out. You you don't one one doesn't just go out there and knock out Anderson Silva. There's a method to the madness. Uriah Hall. It took him a little bit longer to figure out what his method was going to be, and once he did, I thought he was largely dominant. Um, I do think that Uriah Hall is a special talent as far as his physical abilities, his Mm. speed, his ability to knock you out. I mean, uh, before the Anthony Buckley fight, uh, before the Anthony Buckley knockout, there was the Uriah Hall. Uh, knockout as well, and he had a few of those. You know, the spinning back kick where he knocked out Gegard Musasi. Does anybody remember that when he knocked yeah. him out with yeah. a very similar knockout? It, it didn't knock him out cold right straight away, but it's what led to the knockout. No doubt. he is this—he is a spectacular striker and getting better and really maturing as a fighter. Um, I don't think he's there yet as far as getting that uh, title shot against Israel Adesanya, but he's on his way. Another couple yeah. of impressive wins, and I think uh, things can get interesting. Yeah, he'll need
0: two more wins, and you'd like to see him against the Darren Till's of the world right now in current yeah. form. But most knockouts in UFC middleweight history, Anderson Silva and Thiago Santos with eight, and then five others tied with seven, and Uriah Hall is among them. And you don't go to the general safe Saoud and sleep on an air mattress at Fortis MMA if you don't have the desire and the hunger. And a lot of people believe that that is prerequisite one to be at a UFC champion. So uh, I'm not trying to cut down Uriah Hall at all. You know, I do believe that he needed a finish this weekend. In in that modest 225 range, those are fights you're supposed to go out and finish, and uh, he certainly did that. So we'll see what they do with Uriah Hall. Uh, as big a headline maker over the weekend was Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. And sometimes I feel like this is a guy that maybe you need to see fight live to truly appreciate. But I think this is a, an elite featherweight Ken flow. I thought he fought a very game and prime Andre Feely. I think he fought the best version of Andre Feely. I thought Philly did some very good things defensively. Again, my eyes are not your eyes but, uh, I don't know. This was a high quality win and I think it puts Mitchell on a fast track to, uh, to top 10 opposition. Your thoughts? Uh,
1: I would say, I would say it's a quality win for sure. I, I think that Andre Feely has been largely inconsistent through most of his career. Uh, there's been certain performances where I, I look at it and I said, this kid is on his game. He's looking fantastic. And there's other times that I see him where it seems like he kind of succumbs either to the mental pressure or maybe he gets overly emotional. I think that was one one of those nights uh, last night now, I think that Bryce Mitchell had a lot to do with it, the kind of pressure he was putting on him. Uh, I think it was a lot of pressure, and Bryce is largely way more inexperienced than than uh, Feely. So I thought that he was the guy who looked like the more mature and veteran fighter out there, um, and I think that's a testament to Bryce's mindset. Um, I do think that there are some concerns when I see a guy like Bryce in a dominant position and get launched off of when I, when I see a guy get launched from a position, it means that he doesn't understand the position well enough. Um, It's not because Feely did something great when Feely's escaping the guard. I think that is largely Feely doing something well. When I see someone bench press someone off, it means that the person on top isn't doing something well. So Bryce still has some improvements to make, uh, both in his stand-up and his ground game. What that means is is that people better fight him sooner than later because Bryce is going to get better, and I do think he's going to give a lot of people trouble uh, if he continues to improve like, like we're seeing. So in terms of, of Andre Feely defensively,
0: and I know much was made on the broadcast of him bringing in Gary Tonin you're right to point out that one time that was sort of a high amplitude escape, if you will. And Bryce Mitchell seemed to immediately criticize himself in the post fight interview for that particular part Mm -hmm. of the fight, because I think somebody on his level, uh, is humbled by that transition for sure. But if you're Andre Feely, right, you hate to paint a guy with a gatekeeper brush, but this is sort of a tough one for him to swallow. And I do think physically, mentally, emotionally, he put himself in position to win this fight. I do think in the 30 footer, maybe it would have been a little bit different, but, uh, Uh, just a very takedown approach from Mitchell. And every time you thought maybe his cardio was going to abandon him and allow Feely to keep the fight upright. uh, It never happened.
1: Uh, Bryce is a grimy and tough kid. That's one thing we found out with this fight. And I think this is kind of a great way of experiencing that right now, obviously getting the win and still being in a tough fight and being in some tough spots and having to really dig deep and put that guy right back on his mat, right back on the mat. I thought, Uh, showed that Bryce is a game competitor. He's not a guy who's going to just go away if he gets hurt. So I thought that was a good sign. But for Feely, unfortunately, I think you are correct that um, this kind of solidifies that gatekeeper status, right? I mean, he called out Bryce Mitchell. He was the guy who wanted this fight, and he failed in his attempt. Um, And I thought that, you know, the first round, he was dominated. That You could have an argument that was a 10 8, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought the second round, he did a much better job coming back. Bryce Mitchell almost stole that round. I thought Feely just edged him out because of how it finished. And then the third round, I thought he was dominated again. So, uh, unfortunate for Feely, who now really has to dig his way back. And, um, you know, it's really tough, especially given his inconsistency over the last couple of years. I think you set it up beautifully. I think
0: big picture for thug nasty. He's going to get another big high profile fight. Uh, he certainly is compelling to listen to, whether it's a post-fight interview or a post-fight scrum, even if you don't agree with the messaging. But again, when I think of these pressure guys like Khabib Nurmagomedov and Curtis Blades and Marab Dwalashwili, you know, I'm starting to think of Bryce Mitchell in that class, like just don't want to be betting against these guys uh, who have the heart and the cardio and the volume takedowns. and Again, doing it in a number of different ways, deceptively, quickly at times to get Feely down. and. I don't know. It's uh, it's a tough one for Philly, but a great fight. And certainly the fight for me that uh, that I was most excited about over the weekend Uh, before we spin it forward. You got anything for me on Greg Hardy? Uh, He obviously was pretty winded after the fact. And I just think that he's a big athlete moving around a lot of weight. But uh, I really can't help but wonder if Greg Hardy had been a lifelong martial artist, you know, where he'd be at right now, because the improvements have been pretty significant. What would you think about Hardy against the Crochet Boss Maurice Green?
1: I thought, I thought Hardy looked great. Uh, I thought that he was, um, you know, way more calculated. Uh, And then once he kind of figured out or once he felt that green really wasn't too much of a threat, he was just kind of disrespecting him out there. He was just like, I got you. I'm going to knock you out or I'm going to take you down and and beat you up. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, Um, I thought he showed a much more well-rounded game and a a, a very tactical approach for Greg Hardy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought he was really dominant. I I, I didn't see Maurice Green really landing a whole lot. I thought Maurice Green was going to give him uh, a lot more trouble. And I thought he was going to pose some problems and throw some things at Greg Hardy that he he hadn't seen before. Uh, That was just not the case. Hardy looked very comfortable for the most part. Uh, When he did get gassed, he did a good job of kind of uh, just waiting and catching his breath and doing the right things to kind of avoid damage. And then he took him out when he needed to. I thought it was a solid performance from Greg Hardy. It's hard for me as an NFL
0: fan on the level that I'm an NFL fan and an American to not be rooting for this guy, right? Ken Flo? I mean, certainly his, uh, his exit unceremonious from the NFL is well documented as are some of the issues that he dealt with in the past, but judging him based upon his UFC body of work and the way he has handled himself since becoming a professional mixed martial artist, I can't help but find myself rooting for the guy. And if he can realize success in the form of getting to be top 10 in the world, coupled with what he did in the NFL, You know, he ain't Bo Jackson, but it's pretty damn impressive. You know, in 2013, he turned in a historically great season for an NFL defensive lineman. And uh, I don't know, man, I think there are guys in the top 15 at heavyweight right now that he could be for sure.
1: You know, he's clearly a good athlete. He is uh, dedicated to improving uh, his craft. Um, And I think we'll continue to see those changes as long as he keeps that mindset. And, you know, I think that everybody deserves a second chance. Um, And I think martial arts kind of puts people in the right mindset. And keeps them humble yeah. uh, and gets them to reflect on, on on what you're doing and what you've done and all that stuff. And uh, it looks like Hardy is, is headed down the right path. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best, man. I need to get back on my martial arts quest, Ken Flo. <laughs> yeah, why not, man?
0: So uh, just – because this show is not live, I want to tell the listeners right now, it is Sunday morning, 1121 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Ray Longo, is he still sleeping, Cody? I mean, can you just give me a nod? It seems like Longo might still be sleeping. No, he's awake. All right. So because there's a lot else I want to get to, right? If Ray isn't going to be awake, we could just steamroll through some of these headlines. But it looks like Ray Longo is coming up in about four minutes. So uh, Ken flow very quickly. So Dana White said after the fights this weekend that Jan Buhovich will be next for Israel Adesanya. So Bohovic, uh his wife or fiance, I believe, is going to have a baby boy in December. Bohovic mentioned March as a possible return. But Israel Adesanya, because the number one contender, the clear number one contender, Robert Whitaker, does not want, to fight Adesanya right now, in some part because he has a fourth kid on the way in January. Okay. Jan Buhovic and Adesanya is going to be the fight seemingly for the 205-pound title as Adesanya gets his opportunity to become a simultaneous two-division champion. And I think for Buhovic, you know, I think it's a little disappointing for Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira fighting in a main event this weekend. But if you're Jan Buhovic and you're not getting the John Jones fight uh, for title defense number
1: one flow, this will be the next best thing, I would think. <laughs> it, this was interesting, man. It, it kind of was, uh, oh, crap moment for me seeing that that it was announced um i think it, it, it i don't know i, I have mixed feelings tell on this tell us how fight. you really feel Ken. yeah i have mixed feelings on this you know first of all israel Adesanya is an absolutely brilliant fighter and i do think that he could beat a guy like a jan bohovic the problem is What happens after that? Is he going to fight uh, either Glover Teixeira or Tiago Santos? Is he going to fight all these 205ers one after another? What happens to the 185-pound division? Is he going to go back and forth? And what we've seen usually when someone is doing that is that it doesn't last long one way or another. Either they lose um, or uh, they have to choose what division they're going to be in. So I I think – I don't want to say it's too quick for Israel Adesanya. I'm just surprised by the announcement. Um, And it's about to get interesting, especially given the Jon Jones and Israel Adesanya back and forth uh, between those two. So I don't know. I I think it opens up a lot of possibilities for the UFC and perhaps more options. Um, I I just – it was curious. It was interesting. I think
0: part of it is that Adesanya is just such a willing and hungry competitor right now. And again, he has kept this furious schedule that seemingly he wants to keep again in 2021, so you turn him around in a few months and if he does become the champion and I think it's a tall ask, but if he does beat Wahovich and then he and Jones fight for the light heavyweight title, uh, that only heightens the stakes. Uh, speaking of stakes seems also that Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier is a done deal. Poirier says it'll be at 155 pounds, but it does not appear that the belt is going to be on the line. Kenny, it seems like Dana and the UFC brass would like to give Khabib every opportunity to be thoughtful about this decision before he ultimately vacates the undisputed title. So Hudo was very quick to vacate and they were very quick to move forward with a title fight. Um, but it seems at least right now, Kenny, that Dustin and Connor would be a likely eliminator. It was already agreed for, for January 23rd. And the good news is it'll be at lightweight, which just makes it super fucking relevant.
1: Oh man. I mean, that's the fight to make. We were talking about it on the last show. And I think that's absolutely the right decision. Um, I'm really curious to see how Dustin Poirier has improved since then. Clearly he has improved since their first fight. Um, but how does he deal with, uh, those skills against Conor McGregor? I I don't know. I I still think it's a tough matchup for him, but Dustin Poirier, uh, is a problem for anybody. And and I think he's fighting him at the right time right now. So I think it's huge fight, you know, in, in regards to, uh, it not being for a title, uh, at this point. I would say let's wait and see. Um, yeah. I think that uh, if Habib uh, gets back to Dana and said, hey, listen, man, I'm I'm done. This is it. Then that's right. going to be for a belt. There, there's right. no ifs, right. ands, or buts about it. Right. Um, I think part of it is being respectful to Habib and allowing him that space to come back if he wants to because, right. let's face it, there's no bigger fight in the UFC right. than Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor for that 155-pound strap.
0: No, you're right. Being respectful to Khabib and his 30 million followers or so on Instagram. But it's interesting because Khabib has only competed once a year for the last couple. And it's hard to believe he would compete anytime before like July of 2021. And again, I'm not sure how many times he really wants to cut down to 155 pounds in the future. It was another not great cut, I think so I don't know. I think there are a lot of things in play now with the lightweight division now that uh, at least there's going to be a little bit of a holding pattern. I would also say, as we outlined some of those lightweight contenders on the show last week, Dustin Poirier was the hardest guy to make a case against. But a lot of these guys, Kenny, are coming off a loss. So this actually benefits a guy like Tony Ferguson or a guy like Justin Gaethje in this conversation because they can build up a lightweight winning streak, even just getting a win singularly in a fight and all of a sudden put themselves back in the mix. So uh, you know, without an obvious number one versus number two, I- I'm okay if McGregor and Poirier uh doesn't have championship stakes. But uh I don't know. I don't know. I, I think you have some champions who you can trot out there three times a year. Khabib is just not going to be that guy, despite the fact that there are obviously uh, a-, a-, a lineup of contenders waiting for that shot at the greatest of all time in that division. Uh a couple other things before we close the book on uh UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva. So the Greg Hardy fight got me thinking Ken Flo about the Idling Francis Ngannou and just how good Francis Ngannou is. How good he is now, seemingly how good he must be relative to that first meeting with Stipe, but you know, the guy has fought just a few seconds now at a couple years despite dusting all these top guys and uh it feels like we have this ferocious Mike Tyson like heavyweight entering his fighting prime and it's going to be hard to get him a fight. It's going to
1: be Stipe um I guess you're just going
0: to tell me to be patient, right? Just be patient.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. You know, uh, I'm sure the UFC wants to see him fight really badly as well. Uh, But yeah, he's in that kind of that zone where, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people want to fight him. And maybe the people that do want to fight him are maybe unranked where it doesn't benefit Francis Ngannou at this point.
0: Right. Thank God Um, for Jarzinho Rosenstrike fucking calling the guy out or yeah. really wouldn't have a lot of fights. I mean, flow, like I'm just looking this up on my phone right now. So, uh, 20 seconds, 71 seconds, 26 seconds, 45 <laughs> seconds. Right. And that takes you all the way back to that, uh, that Derek Lewis outlier, which was midway through 2018. So right. You know, it's just a few seconds, right? Uh, I don't know. I just had Francis and got his name in the rundown because as I'm watching Greg Hardy and getting excited about him, I'm thinking, man, you know. Like if anybody deserves to wait until
1: August, it's Stipe. But uh, I guess that's just ha- has to be the fight. Am I wrong? Uh, and no, absolutely. That that's a, tr- a tremendous fight. I, I think that you look at, you know, you talk about those fights. You're like, yeah, well, Francis Ngannou is more experienced now, but. Yeah, that's true. He has more fights, but let's talk about how many minutes he's actually spent in the UFC octagon, especially working on his grappling. Not a whole lot. He doesn't even get there because he's so damn explosive and he's so fast. He's so powerful. But um, I I do think that, uh, you know, he's made some changes. And I think that steep rematch is going to be very interesting. And I'm sure Eric
0: Nixick and others would uh, would speak a lot about the value of those training camps. But you're right. Not a lot of octagon time accrued for uh, for Francis Ngannou. All right, Ray Longo in 60 seconds, but we all know 2020 has been a little nuts. Doesn't mean you should disregard taking care of yours. Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products, and the mission has now gone international. Manscaped has now released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia, and that includes the Lawn Mower 3.0. As many of you know, Manscaped has changed the way I go about my hygiene. You know I give myself a skin fade every four or five days, but no longer am I using the same trimmer on my face and my head as I use down there. Because I'm using the Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof technology on the Lawnmower, by the way. And Manscaped has now also just released the crop care kit as well, includes all sorts of products. The ball wipes, not a personal favorite of Canflow yet, but they're in the mail. And how about the foot deodorant, the body wash in that bundle as well, and all these formulations, all vegan. Cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Kenful will tell you exactly what all of that means, but you know you're in good hands. And if you're not there yet with Manscaped, now is the time to get in on the craze. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com slash AF. I wonder if we took a lawnmower 3.0 to the top of Longo's head, if it would cut anything. I bet it would. Uh, let's get to Ray Longo. It's
2: now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I'm
3: going to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want.
2: The Ray Longo Minute. Starring
1: Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
0: Longo on that turn and burn after post-fight obligations on extra rounds. He now joins us for his weekly Ray Longo Minute. You were in Philadelphia Last yeah, no. night, or was it a Friday night show?
2: It was. I was there Thursday and Friday. Okay. We had a lot going on. A lot, John. And I know on. the
0: team did pretty well, but one guy that I want to spotlight here, off with, off the top of, of the segment for for the star of the show, is Pumi Nakuda, 25 years old, two and O now as a pro, a win at CFFC. So you were in the building. Uh, and this is a guy that I met, I believe, in Vegas a few weeks ago. Flyweight division. Is that right?
2: Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You did meet him, I believe, when we were outside. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. I met him before. No, I don't know if he was there with me, but you did meet him, though. He was out there with Aljo for a while.
0: So some good amateur experience. Obviously, now 2-0 as a pro. Uh, under, under, talk under to me about about Pumi. Don't call
2: him fucking Fumi. Yeah. What? What the heck is going to happen? How dare you? But, Not uh, me. <laughs> listen, uh, you know, he I believe he was five or six and oh as an amateur. Uh now he's two and oh as a pro. I'm gonna say all dominant wins. Um just uh just a, you know, like the sky is the limit for this kid, you know. And even uh, you know, I remember talking to Aljo a while back, he goes, you know, if he doesn't do anything, I'd be really disappointed. Like even if he didn't follow it or, or complete what he started, but he's probably one of the most talented kids in the gym. And, uh, you know, Marab used him as a sparring partner. The only guy that could ma- match Marab with his gas tank is this kid. So, uh, wow. really, real- Kenny, you'd love him, And Go look. He's like, a, I'm going to say like a Demetrius Johnson. He's going to be that. That's how good he's going to be. Wow. Uh, uh, and if you look at him, you know, at an early stage, I don't want to go too crazy because sometimes you put the kiss of death on somebody, but he's yeah. a super talented kid. He's, he's, he is going to do great one way or the other. So uh, beautiful personality, uh, great, you know, great energy in the gym. And uh, man, he he performs, man. He's, uh, he's a piece of, he's a great kid with super talent, man. He put it all together the other night against a tough kid. Uh, and uh, I I expect big things out of him. I really do. Speaking of big things, talk to me about Bryce
0: Mitchell. Some would call him thug nasty out of the great state of Arkansas. Big co-main event win, over Andre Feely. your thoughts on Bryce Mitchell Saturday night and ultimately big picture how high is uh is the ceiling
2: yeah let me just i just want to say one more thing John, cuz i i got to i got to spread the love out because we had three guys fighting i had Dylan montello in florida on a promotion what a beautiful walk away knockout two beautiful right hands in a row uh took the guy out in the second round i mean picture perfect distance timing composure it's a great fight to look at cuz he fought a, a jiu jitsu guy out of Vegas, man, I'm blanking on everybody's names, but uh the guy almost had him in a heel hook in the first, you know, uh first round. That's all he wanted to do was get the takedown, but kind of gassed himself out and then Dylan just finished it in the second. And we also had James Gonzalez who had a tough fight but lost. So I, you know, if I say yeah. one thing, I'm not gonna I can't do that to everybody do else. Uh, Did your
0: regional level fighters listen to the Anakin Florian podcast? Because we uh, every, shot them
2: all out. Every
0: every one of them. All right. Every well, one. We we're gonna make a point. I'm sorry to shortchange no. them. Uh, nice. but let's get to, to thug Price filthy, and, uh, thug filthy, thug nasty,
2: what a all, be- in. all beautiful in fight against a great, you know, against a really super talented opponent. I think it was, you know, he looks like he's stepping up in increments and, uh, you know, he's very unassuming, but he's looks like he's gaining confidence. And that was a great fight for a variety of reasons, Kenny, you know what I mean? Cause I think it was a step up for him. feely has been around forever. He's fought a lot of great guys. So uh super impressed with his takedowns, uh, his stand-ups getting better, his mindset. He's definitely a tough kid. He's not going anywhere. Uh he, he was in the gym maybe a couple of years ago, and again, I could be off on my timeline, but super nice guy. And again, unassuming. You look at him, you don't really see anything. And then he gets in there and he's he's just not easy. You know, he's good. He's really, really good. He he impressed me three or four years ago. And I'm even more impressed now. I thought that was a great win for him. And he's he's a problem. You know, if he keeps growing at this rate, he's going to be a problem. There's a uh, filmmaker out
0: there, and I am... Disappointed that the name is escaping me, but there's a lot of Bryce Mitchell content out there, documentary style, that uh, really just endeared him to the masses and people like me. I I can't get enough of the Bryce Mitchell content. Um, You got anything for us on Anderson Silva? I mean, we kind of exhausted it off the top. I mean, I think people sometimes have a hard time putting his legacy into context. And, uh, you know, when you go from 33 and 4 to 34 and 11, it doesn't necessarily help. But uh, as Ken articulated off the top this performance was not without merit what'd you think of uh the spider in a loss to Uriah Hall
2: uh look I'm I'm, I'm just not a big fan of a 45 year old guy going up against a young a younger mm-hmm. experienced fighter. I'm just I, I don't see the the point it unless you know you need money or whatever it is and I don't even like that but uh yeah I, I want to remember that guy for who he was and that's why again like he even said it in the post-fight interview it's like you know, fighters, you know, he—he. He, it's hard to walk away. You know, it's hard to walk away. And that's why I really admire, like, the Khabibs and Cejudo that can walk away at a time when they're at the top. So we're never going to see those guys get the shit knocked out of them you know, four or five times in a row. And I think there's there's something to that. You know, I I'm, I might be in the minority, but that's the way I feel. I want to remember Anderson Silva for when he was Anderson Silva. I didn't even want to see that fight last night. And my concern is that, you know, that Uriah Hall's such a nice guy. He really is. And you could see the emotion. I think that's real, man. That was, a, that was a, one of his idols, that he had to beat the crap out of. And I didn't even think, I thought like the first two rounds, look, I thought Anderson looked great, hit in the midst before the fight. I thought his movement's still there. You could see for a forty-five-year-old, he's absolutely fantastic. There's no, no there's no doubt about it. He's still good, but to compete in this arena against younger guys, I, that's a different level. You know, he's going to be able to do what he did last night forever. I think at this point, he could go another five right. years. I thought he showed. You know, and I don't know if that was Uriah Hall respecting him too much. That that was my point. I thought Uriah was such a nice guy. He might even let him win, try to make it look good. And who knows? You know, I mean, I
0: just I don't think Kenny and I agree with that because Anderson Silva will fuck you up if you're not careful. And then you've lost to a 45 year old Anderson Silva. Right, Ken Flo? Like, I I just think I think there's some truth in. In the earlier part, but I don't think Uriah Hall was uh was not pulling the trigger um, because he didn't didn't want to fuck up an old man. You know,
2: pulling the trigger. I said that was my concern. That I think Uriah was that guy. That he could take a loss and it wouldn't matter to him because you know what I'm saying. I think again, I'm this is craziness, but you know what I I just think Uriah is that guy. That's why he was crying at the end. Right. I mean, no, no, you're right. He had to hurt somebody, I believe. Really, he did idolize. And that's a shitty feeling, John. It really yeah. is. That's a yeah. shitty feeling. You know, I mean, you know, it's almost like with your old man. You don't want to beat your father at anything. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And then, you know, the guy's getting older and you beat right. him. And then, the, you know, I, I, I kind of been through that. I, I felt like shit. You know what I mean? So I it's I know where Uriah is coming from. So I'm not saying he didn't. I I, says, I said that was a possibility. I just didn't see the purpose of that fight. I it's, really just, it's it's always
1: been, you know, and, and it doesn't mean we have to accept it and like yeah. it, but it's always been the nature of combat sports in a lot of ways. Right. It's the it's the guy. He's this legend. And then all of a sudden, once he starts fading, feed him to the young lions so we can create yeah. new legends. And it, it, this game will chew you up and spit you out um, and, and if you don't get out in time. And, and that's kind of just a reality.
2: Yeah. And again, he is. Look, he's still good. He's still going to beat the crap out of a guy with no experience or whatever maybe even guys with with some experience but I, but what's the point you know he's not he's not like he'd have to tell me exactly what his goal was you know if his goal was to make another two million for his family and he doesn't care what happens to him I'm I'm for him you know right. but it, I don't know what he's thinking and well, I, I think, like again this is a guy that was great that provided so many headlines and john my other thing was this is a sport where the fans i believe turn over every four or five years so there's people out there that never saw him fight before trust me i talked to right. a lot of young kids that are just tuning in now right that's what they're going to remember and then their right. dad got to go you got to go look right. at that guy when he was this and oh yeah dad sure yeah i'm sure right. he but yeah. that's that's the problem i had i just think it's it's nice. I don't know. I always remember my old man telling. I don't even know if it's true, but I think Joe DiMaggio left. You know, while he was still great, you never right, saw right. him tripping. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, you want to go? You know, watch a great singer. You know, for the last time, forgetting the words to songs and stumbling right. right. around. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, no, that it makes sense. You know that uh, that's, that's all I'm saying. I, look, I love I love the guy. You know, I, he he gave us so many things. Even when he beat Franklin in the clinch, can he brought back? You know, the plum or the tie clinch, and everybody was doing it. You know, he had that up elbow on Fricklin, he front kicked a super talented Belfort in the face. That's it. I that's the memory I want. I don't want this memory of Uriah Hall, you know, knocking him down with a with a check hook and then beating the shit out of him on the floor. I mean, it's just and I don't know in terms of what he has to offer at 45 years old, maybe not
0: not maybe not much against Jared Cannonier, but Conor McGregor said sort of the nature and I'm paraphrasing here, but the nature of the competitor is such in a lot of these guys that it's just about finding the right opponent. I mean, you mean to tell me there's not a 51 year old kickboxer out there that Anderson Silva could, uh, could knock out right now. You know, I'm not saying I want to see it
2: a hundred percent, but you said the key word, the right opponent. Yes. Yeah. Of course he can. Top 10. 10, Good. You could still hit the pads. Good. I mean, look, I think, Like what Tyson and Jones is doing, unbelievable. They're two 50-year-old guys. They're going to do an extra bit. That's where he's heading, and he'll be great. Throw him in the mix. He's good for that, you know what I mean? But at this, MMA, man, is tough to begin with. And, you know, a guy, like the guys that really could last, the guys like Henderson, that they did the same thing, that power is the last thing to go. Henderson today, if he hits you with that right hand, I'm still sure, He will knock you into another time zone. You know what I mean? But with him, it was either he was either going to win or lose by that right hand. That was it. He wasn't going to beat any other way. And that's a little different. This guy needs, you know, the the tricks and the movement. And that, that shit goes. The timing, you don't see the punches as good as you used to. That happens to fade a little quicker than your power. And he was more of a finesse player. He really wasn't a power player. He walked you into punches. You know, it was the punch you didn't see with Anderson. And that stuff has a tendency to go. And look, it happened to Leonard, man. That guy was unbelievable. Sugar Ray was by far my, the best boxer I ever saw. And, you know, at the end of the, his career, it man, it just doesn't look the same. You know, that's why I love Hagler, man. He had that fight with Leonard, probably won, lost, whatever, close. Walked away. All we think of Hagler is Hagler Hearns, Hagler Mugabe, all those great fights that Hagler had. We don't, we never saw him, we never saw him on the downside. And I think there's something to that, man. It's not easy, no doubt. No but doubt. I think that's. I'm just saying, I'm taking that side of the uh, the the the, the uh, conversation.
0: Yeah. And I think there are athletes who accrue losses late in their career that think about that on an almost day-to-day basis, man, why didn't I just walk away when I was 20 and three instead of being, you know, 21 and 11. So uh, I don't want to steal the thunder of your segment. And there are a few other UFC items that I want to get to with you, but because you're the star of the show and because the MMA masses seem to think that I owe them a shoey, we're going to get the shoey out of the way here during the Ray Longo. So essentially if you don't know the story and I'm not trying to put the spotlight on me, I'm just trying to, honor no. my bets. No, John, because I'm a man is, of my word.
2: The spotlight is on you. You're doing a shooey. Well, it's-
0: so because there were no fans on Fight Island, fans suggested that if Tai Tuivasa won that I would do a shoey. and so I tweeted that I was in to do the shoey. Now, in that moment, of course, I forgot that maybe somebody might be spitting it, spitting in it before I drank it. But thankfully, I have found out that is not a prerequisite to doing a shoey. But a lot of fans seem to think because Ty won the fight that I owe them a Wow! So Daniel Cormier brought it up on the air. He said he doesn't even want to spit in it like he just wants me to do the shooey. And so uh Unless you guys have anything that would further delay me, I just figured I would do the shoey for the Anakin Florian podcast audience, and uh, and then it would sort of live on in perpetuity if anybody questioned whether or not I made good on the bet. Well, was,
1: swe- was Cormier's sweaty foot in that shoe or, or no? Is that- so <laughs> my sweaty foot, I mean,
0: full disclosure, like I have run as many as five miles in these. They're Reeboks J.J. Watt model, I believe.
2: Wait, so, wait hold uh, up again, John. Hold up the bottom. I think – did you – no, the bottom. Did oh, yeah, there's dirt in the bottom of the shoe. Can you, you, can do you poke see? holes in the bottom so the beer runs out? You're not really doing oh, anything? One of we'll see. We'll yeah, see. All right, all right I'm going to get this shoe out try of try. the way, no, and then no, I'm no. going to
0: ask you uh, in all my sobriety about uh, Hamza Shimaev and, and Leon Edwards, okay? All right, but let's, uh, do, I mean, do you want us to chant shoe Shoey. shoe No, I, well, whatever you guys want to do, I'm pulling shoo-wee. my mic up. You guys are going to have to carry the shoe. Last time I think I chugged a beer. Not all that long ago. Maybe I banged one back on Fight Island, but I used to do this with regularity at Gettysburg College back in the day. Not out of a shoe, but just banging natural lights. I was the worst shotgunner in the world, not for lack of effort. All right. Here we go, Ray. Here we go. Thanks for being here for this, Ray. I know not what Hi. you expected on a Sunday morning. No, this is huge, man. This
2: is
1: fine, this <laughs> is... <There> fine. <laughs> John, John yeah. getting ready to uh, pour the beer into the shoe. I spit it, shoe? Kenny? Uh, you, it might as well. I mean, it's it's your own. It's fine. You don't okay. have it. it doesn't matter. There he, there he goes. He spit, he just spit in the shoe. Now he's pouring. What is that? A Corona? I believe it's a Corona. Uh, he's got the Corona. He's he's pouring it into his Reebok shoe. And uh, uh, wow. he's, he's going to do this. He's going to do this, Ray. Let's it's see dope. if he can do it all in one shot. And then On November started, oh, 1st. going everywhere. Oh, oh,
0: John Anik oh. had a choice.
1: He's trying to catch the beer now oh, with wow. his other he's hand. He, yeah, he's exactly. doing a pretty good job now. That's much better. That is dedication. Man, he actually made a
2: formula out of his thing. Well done. So a, oh, well done.
1: Hey, they say how you do anything is how you do everything. And just killed it on that one. So you know when they
2: say you're either all in or all out, this man is all in, Kenny. He uh, is. Oh, oh, Whoa. he's taking
1: extra sips. I love it.
2: it. Oh. oh, we're going to proofread it. <laughs>
0: yeah. oh, Daddy Whoa. will be right downstairs, girl. Daddy will be right downstairs. <laughs>
2: Imagine, imagine your kids. I think I just <laughs> drinking his breakfast out of his shoe. <laughs> oh, oh well. Annick, you're the man, dude. Wow. I wouldn't, so, I, I wouldn't have done it.
1: I'm a whip. I wouldn't have done it. had to pull I, it together.
0: Had to pull it together because I was losing the beer all over the house here. My script for the main event challenge is ruined, but uh, oh, got a nice God. little buzz now, Raymond, not an empty
2: <laughs> stomach. A little fasted cardio before the show. We're okay. Get those carbs in there. All right. So, yeah, oh, he is. I'm impressed. I don't even know if I can go on. I'm, I might be uh shell shocked. Well, let me ask you this, because
0: Chris yeah. Weidman did factor prominently in this conversation, at least for a little bit there. Neil Magny does not get the Hamzat Chimaev fight. It goes to Leon Edwards, right? Excuse me. Bonafide top three welterweight in the world. I am so excited to be a fan December 19th, a week after the pay-per-view and watch this main event. Like, I think this is a hugely compelling main event. And Ken Flo and I were going to talk about it. What do you think about uh, Chimaev and Leon Edwards coming up here in uh, in about seven weeks?
2: Uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a great fight. I mean, when was the last time Edwards fought? He's got to have... It's had to be long a time ago. Ago. long time ago. Long time ago. He uh, seemed like he just has been totally out of the picture and this kid's been active i think that's going to play into it a lot and uh big test for uh chamayev i mean L- Edgewoods Edgewood's is squared away i don't know like what he's been doing in the off time i hope he's been i mean obviously he's been training but uh yeah. man, it seems like it's been a year since we saw him at least i don't know Kenny, I
0: feel like this is a really difficult matchup, as hard a matchup as Leon Edwards could have accepted, but certainly that comes with a lot of upside. I think he's title shot worthy right now. Of course, he has the history with the champion Kamar Usman, uh, but I'm just pulling up the ledger on the 29 year old Leon Rocky Edwards. So the last fight, yeah, it was Rafael Dos Anjos, main event, July of, of 2019. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, he was 10 and three after the Usman loss, and now he's 18 and three, eight consecutive wins. Kenflo, I just feel like, you know, not that he can't win it, not that he won't be favored, but there were certainly easier matchups out there for Leon Edwards than, uh, or so it would appear, than Hamza Chimaev.
1: There's no doubt about that. And again, I, I think Kamaro Usman um, showed uh, that it's possible to, to go in there and grind him against the fence and take him down repeatedly. Uh, Chimaev can certainly do that. But, uh, you know, what Chumayev has that Usman doesn't really is uh, what seems like a a pretty good long uh, long range game with with some serious knockout power. So uh, here's a guy who's going to come down from 185 pounds. He's tall. He's lanky. He's strong. Um, I think that for Edwards, hopefully we see him, um, I guess, get through some some more of the layers of Chumayev and we get to see, okay exactly what this guy has. Uh, because we haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, we've seen him either take you down, beat the hell out of you, uh, and, and right. take you out, or he knocks you out in about a minute. So uh, I'm really curious to see how Edwards approaches this fight. I think he's much better positioned than he was back when he fought Usman. He's a much better fighter. Um, and if is able to beat someone like Edwards at this point in his career, oh. and only, what, his fourth, this is his fourth UFC fight? Or yeah. third? Yeah, yeah, I think it's crazy. Three, yeah, three, yeah, that, that would be amazing if he's able to get a win against Edwards. That means that we have, you know, uh, really a legitimate star in, in, uh, no in, question.
2: Out yeah, and that's, the, and that's the, uh, that's the question. And let me just say one thing with Weidman it was Chamaev that called out Weidman. Weidman didn't call out Chamaev. He's just right. not, he's not going to back down from a fight, of course. And, and my sentiments were, hey, if you're going to get him, get him now. I mean, if that's what he wants, right. you know, we don't know what we don't, like Kenny says, there's not a lot on him. Let's find out. You know what I mean. And I think the Edwards fight is going to prove that. Also, we're going to know if he's the real deal or not. We're going to see if he's got holes in his games that can be exploited in the future. And uh, this is a, a big test. Uh, he seems like a, a young kid who's who's very very brash. Who we're going to find out, man. Because no doubt, I, I think you know he's he's definitely talking a huge game. And he has smashed some guys, but now he's going to get a guy that, you know, has been around for a while that's fought some really good guys. And we will get a good gauge on what what's uh, what the ceiling is for this kid after this fight. But Edwards is slick, man. You Edwards know, it's, it's almost like what Kevin Holland said. Give me a name guy, you know what I mean, instead of guys that are – coming in for the first time we want to you know i think he's right with that let's see what he's got put him in there with guys that have some name value and uh you know he looks like a scrappy kid uh, holland and i'd like to see where where he go where how he fares against you know some of the guys that have been around for a while and same thing for Chimayev. This There's a huge test. There's a big jump.
0: Yeah, well, and the jump, though, that I think is enticing for fight fans. I was so excited when I saw that this fight was announced and that I would just be home six days before Christmas and able to watch this fight. Because for those who criticize the Gerald Mershardt booking, this is the exact opposite of that. They're giving him the number one contender in the oh, Wayne division. Out. You know what I mean? So you beat Leon Edwards and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Gilbert Burns is going to be next, but uh short list at 170 yeah. pounds. Now yeah. that my office, by the way, smells like Theta Chi fraternity house at Gettysburg college. It makes me want to go downstairs and get another beer. I mean, what are we trying to do here on an NFL Sunday? Just have a beer and like take a nap or try to get a buzz. <laughs> so I'm going to get a beer while Cody gets Ian Parker on the line. Ray, what? before we let you go, yeah, 78% of our listeners who woke up early and voted in our poll believe that Tiago Santos is going to beat a 41-year-old Glover Teixeira this weekend. I think the fight is improperly priced. I think Glover Teixeira isn't getting enough respect from the oddsmakers given Tiago Santos' layoff due to what was a very uh, – Significant knee injury. Uh and Santos is 36, right? Age is just a number. We need a main event pick from you, and, and then we'll let you get back to your Sunday and your NFL boycott and anything else you got going on.
2: Oh, uh, wow, that's a tough one, man. And I love, I love Glover Texera, too. Texera, so excuse me. Uh, and Parker butchering not just the first
0: <laughs> name, but the last <laughs> name too. Uh, Glover.
2: Why I butchered that. That's just that's Glover. my long accent. What is it? Clover, like four-leaf clover. Oh, oh clover. <laughs> oh, my God. perpetuity. What was it? Perpetuity? You'll get you'll – Perpetuity? Get like,
0: is that a four-leaf really- clover in your hair? What is that? Oh, no. That's just – uh. It's just no. That's just dust. That's just a leaf. From uh, so effect. Santos about minus 225. Uh, Teixeira in some spots as high as plus 195. Who wins the main event this Saturday night? And then, of course, if you want a recap, Ray Longo on extra rounds after the fact
2: uh i'm gonna have to go uh, i don't want to but i'm gonna go with santos okay all right and i really don't want it because i love the other guy but uh i think uh man i'll be i'll be pulling for glover but i will uh but i but i'm gonna pick uh santos if i had to make a if a guy had a gun to my head like you would say john that's right right yeah all right well uh you're you're gracious
0: with your time as always. It's great to see you, and uh, we'll catch up on the other side. and And it's back to Monday, I think, next week. We look forward to uh, to speaking with you then, sir.
2: Awesome. What was what was the reason for this? Uh, this and in, in, uh... period reasons, but oh, Ken Flo
0: had some television obligations, oh, and we oh, had some availability.
2: Oh, maybe Ken, Ken Flo was re- requesting a jet to his next battle. <laughs> oh, <box. laughs> <Or a> PJ. <laughs> but Kenny is
0: also on the East coast. We're not going to tell you what state he's in, but because he's on oh, the East yeah. coast, we have more flexibility when it comes oh, to right. our time slot. So I forgot about that. Yeah.
2: So, Kenny, yeah. it's really happy to have you back on the East coast. Where you, <laughs> That's exactly.
0: right. That's right. All right, yeah. Ray, uh, get the fuck out of here. We love you. You're the uh, star of the show. We'll talk to you
2: next Monday. Yes. All right, guys have a great, uh, rest of the year Sunday. Thank you, buddy. you Take care, guys.
0: Oh, my son, that'd be great. No boycott of the NFL over here. Today's main event challenge is brought to you by MyBookie, where winning season has now returned. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers out there at MyBookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting on live sports all season long. And for a lot of you daily bettors out there like me, we're rejoicing because the NFL has returned in fine form. Action-packed Sundays, huge cash prizes, and the UFC, of course, is live straight through December 19th. So a lot of opportunities on the board to bet there. So why not make now the time? Time to get in on the action. Use promo code Anik Florian, one word, Anik Florian, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So bet with the best this NFL season. For your chance to win big, use promo code Anik Florian and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at my All right. UFC fight night, Santos versus Teixeira. Saturday night, main card ESPN2. Let's get to the picks it's the main event
1: challenge the time is most definitely now florian (laughs) i finished fights i'm gonna do everything possible to win the main event challenge the john annick and kenny florian podcast
0: And it is great to see my man, Ian Parker, the duck on social media at Ian Parker MMA. But the handle likely to change to eventually include the duck somehow, some way. And Ian has reason to smile. His first best bet came in. Uh, But I want to read you guys a text I got from Pahumpa. Marco Stamata, mm. American top team to <laughs> coach uh, tell Ketty and that other dude that picked Bobby green to win that this win for Tiago Moises was for them. I'm mad that Tiago didn't finish though. I love you. And Pahupa is one of our longtime listeners and, uh, and that's okay. Right. We all sort of articulated that we thought Bobby green maybe was improperly priced in that minus 270 range, but, uh, just figured Ken flow that I would share the, the text from Pahumpa. And you certainly thought that Thiago Moises was uh, not getting the respect maybe from Vegas that he deserved, but big win for Moises nonetheless.
1: Absolutely. Um, an, an excellent win. I think, you know, Bobby green um, is always going to be a tough out, but to me, while he, you know, he gains more experience um, skill wise. I haven't seen that uh improvement that i would like to see meanwhile uh moises is a guy that has been improving you 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 know this time around we saw his wrestling get better you know he's getting way more comfortable on the feet when we saw him start out in the ufc he was very hesitant on the feet in my opinion his wrestling really wasn't there he's making the right improvements and got a got a nice win over a very tough bobby green
0: Ian, I want to get your thoughts on Bryce Mitchell before we update the stanzings and move forward and maybe some thoughts on Greg Hardy as well, because I know you're firmly on the uh, on the Hardy train. Um, but what do you think about Bryce Mitchell in terms of elite status and how far he can actually take this thing? I feel like we've kind of exhausted the win on the show, but I mean, do you see him as, as part of that featherweight elite or not yet?
3: What I saw last night, uh, and Kenny and I were going back and forth during the back oh and on text the fight. you and
0: Ken Flo texting back and forth, huh?
3: Kenny, nice. Kenny, Kenny only texts me when he's really mad about someone's performance and how it, what <gasps> he does on what he does on Twitter. If he doesn't want to put it there, he texts me because he knows I'm listening and I'll respond. Um, and but it's funny though; it's like we share that wavelength. And sometimes when he texts me, I'm like. Why does he always anger text me? But it's not at me. So it's like he likes to vent me and he's frustrated, but he doesn't like me, but he kind of likes me. So we, we got like this good relationship. And he admitted to the Twitter world that he does like me a little bit. So, you know, we're we're slowly we're wow. slowly building up this bromance as uh, listen, I'm trying real hard with Kenny, you know, I'm giving him his space, I'm letting him text me what he wants. You know, we're we're in a good place right now. But, but uh,
0: seriously, on on Mitchell, yeah. right? Like, because <laughs> you guys were both on Andre Feely. And I told you privately, my best bet of the weekend was Bryce Mitchell. And that's I neither here nor did. there, um, sure. but that's just cause I've been blown away by him recently in person. So talk to me. I mean, I'm, you yeah. guys watch this with a more sophisticated eye than I do, obviously. So talk to me about Bryce Mitchell.
3: I think Kenny or I would have taken whoever was the underdog in this fight based on the way the show operates. To be fair, I think what we were kind of looking at was that Bryce hasn't fought the level of competition as Andre Feely has, or a fighter like Feely. And as you saw with Feely on the ground, the one thing that I was really impressed with him was his defense on the ground, right? He kept trying to get up. He was exploding. He was not really put, even when he got mounted for a second, he got back to guard. He was doing everything correct. The problem was he was so exhausted fighting that off that in that third round, where I believe it was tied 1-1 going in, Bryce was smart, didn't want to get hit with something else, took the fight to the ground. I was so impressed with how quickly he got the fight to the ground and how he wasn't even trying to bang with Feely. Feely was the obvious better striker throughout the fight, but even when Bryce Mitchell got put on his back, he reversed And You know, I just think the fight IQ that people aren't expecting because the way he speaks sometimes and the way he always talks about the camo shorts and his, uh, his car commercial – Sometimes people take that for granted and think, oh, you know, he's this southern boy that just wants to eat squirrel and got his nuts right. chopped off, whatever it was. But he's right. a really smart fighter, and he played into his strengths, and he didn't fuck around. And that was super impressive. And, yeah, you called it. You definitely said that was your best pick of the week. Um, my, I'm, I'm pissed at myself because what was the other bet I gave you? But I was too much of a pussy to put Jason it, there. it on Jason the Witt. straight
0: wager side.
3: Now, if you saw the blooper reel, and, Kenny, I didn't send you this, I literally said my best bet of the week is Jason Witt because last time he showed potential, no, he fucking didn't. He got crushed. Why am I saying this on camera? And I had Cody edit that to just the parlay. But Jason Witt, I was really impressed with what he did as well. But Bryce Mitchell's got a nice future. I'd like to really see the next level of competition. And uh, Andre Field, still young. He'll bounce back as well.
0: And give me 30 seconds on Greg Hardy, if you would.
3: Oh, man. This dude possessed that type of power at any point. I thought he exerted a lot of energy in that first round. I do think that this was the right fight for him. I don't see him being a top five heavyweight though, really for another year. I think he needs another couple of fights for the top five. I saw a lot of spots where if he doesn't get that knockdown, a lot of other fighters if they do if they're a volume striker can outpoint him. you know if they go out at his ankles, he doesn't threaten the takedowns you know he's really just a power puncher and I think he's gotten better. His, evolu- his improvement uh, uh, his improvement is still there, but, uh, you know, it's funny. We see it against th- a guy like Mo Green, but then, uh, you know, against the higher level, we don't see that as much. So he's going to have to get tested again really soon, but I think he's going to have to really pace himself in that first round, not get overly excited when he drops the guy. And when he's on top, he doesn't have to throw the hardest punches. He could do the volume. He could take his time, save his energy, and right. maybe also work on some top submissions like an arm triangle. From the top in advanced position. That's my opinion on Hardy.
2: All
0: right, let's spin it forward, guys. Team Attic now leads at one thirty six to one thirty three. So it was a three nil week. Parker goes two and two. Ken Flo almost all underdog selections. By the way, Ken Flo, if it's any consolation, he had three underdogs. But uh, it's one thirty six, one thirty three, and it's UFC Fight Night: Santos versus Teixeira. Don't forget. We will have a best bet from the duck coming up this Friday on our Anna Florian Pod media channels. Uh, but first fight for us today, first fight on the main card this weekend can be seen on both ESPN Two and ESPN Plus in the strawweight division. Yan Chauhan minus one thirty-five, Claudia Gadelia plus one fifteen. So two straight wins Ian for Claudia Gadelia. She'll try to inch closer to a second title shot here. Yan Chauhan, how about five and zero in the UFC, ten and zero with a no contest spanning her last eleven. Ian Parker, what do you think? The favorite Chauhan or the underdog Gadelia?
3: I am going with Shannon here. I, I just like what I've seen out of her—that aggression, that poise, well-rounded. I think for Claudia, her last couple of fights, I, I think where that hesitancy with the output and trying to get this fight to the ground, she's becoming too comfortable with that striking against this opponent. That is not a good idea. So I'm going to go with the with the favorite here. Absolutely.
0: Ken, for the first strawweight fight in UFC history, July of 2014 in Atlantic City, it was Claudia Gedalia versus Tina Lahata I was there. Remember being impressed with both athletes, but it's been up and down for Gedalia since. Right. 12th UFC appearance here. Try to do something she's never done before, which is win three consecutive fights. Slight dog here against Yan Shao Nan. How do you handicap the matchup?
1: You know, I, I could see actually Gadelia who really gets off to a, a great start for most of her fights, uh, winning this by submission. I think if she takes her down, gets the right position, she could finish this fight early. However, um, you know, you look at Jan and her propensity for going uh, the distance and, um, you know, winning these decisions. I, I could see her outpointing her as well. That's the way I'm going to go. Uh, I think Jan is going to be able to keep her on the outside, eventually tire Gadelia out. Uh, and win by decision. And by the way, we have an intern starting next week who's going to keep track of all these
0: numbers, maybe a new scoring system for 2021. And don't you worry, the Duck is sticking around in some capacity. I know it's been uh, a little swell for the Duck fan base over the weekend, so uh, we're paying attention. What are you What are you doing? I'm giving you some fucking shine. What's the problem? You're putting <laughs> no. your hands in the air like yeah. that emoji. Like... No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I, we didn't even get to the second fight. We're already talking about my future. I love it. It's okay. No, we're good. We're good. Your future is fairly you... secured. I appreciate that. Back against the wall. Duck flies high. Let's fairly go. in caps. All right. Big fight at ah. middleweight. Ken Flo, We'll have you
0: lead here. This one's got some heat on it, folks. Ian Heinisch, the guy with the number next to his name, it's a 15, but it is Brendan Allen who is the minus 135 favorite. Heinisch comes back plus 115. So Brendan Allen, Kenny, pretty impressive young kid, 3-0 in the UFC, ton of experience despite being like 25 or so. Uh, and now he's left Milwaukee for South Florida, Rufus Sport out, Sanford MMA in. What do you think about Allen here against Ian Heinisch In a fight, by the way, that initially was slated for June 27th It shall be done this weekend.
1: I'll say this. I think Heinish is one of those guys, um, who, even if you beat him, he can make you look bad. Uh, He's awkward. He's tough. He doesn't go away easily. Um, you know, he's a solid wrestler can get you on the ground, can beat you up. Um, you know, definitely will swing for your face and try to knock your head off. Um, but I do think that Brendan Allen uh, is very skillful. I think he brings a lot of skill here to the table that I don't think Ian Heinish has really had to deal with before. Um, I think Allen is a guy to watch for sure, uh, a guy who I think will fight for the belt one day, um, has you know the youth, as you said, but has a lot of experience and uh, is really good everywhere in, in my opinion. So I, I think um, he's got the right mindset as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Allen here. Ken likes BA
0: Brendan all in Allen on the other side, Ian Heinish crazy story. You should look it up, but he's certainly been through some things in his personal life. Professionally, he's coming off a win over Allen's teammate and friend, Gerald Merchardt. That was UFC 250 in June. And you may recall he was supposed to fight Allen Ian a few weeks later, but shortly thereafter, when the fight was sort of announced, Ian Heinish pulled out. So then Brendan Allen fought a very game, Kyle Docus and was extended by him. But I think you're going to get a big effort out of both of these guys. What do you think about the middleweights coming up Saturday night?
3: I think Kenny broke it down pretty much perfectly. This is Brendan Allen's fight, I think, stylistically, 100%. The only concern I have is if Ian Hines shoots in for a takedown, it looks like Brendan Allen's a little too comfortable jumping on guillotines at any point in the fight. And I think what we've seen is that (laughs) past the first round, it's just not a good idea. And sometimes when guys are too confident in their jujitsu against a guy like Heinrich, Heinrich will be happy to sit in your guard and grind out around and land those shots. And Allen can pull off the submissions, but I don't see Heinrich as a guy that gets submitted from the top like that. You know, I think Allen's going to have to use his jujitsu. If he gets taken down to get back up where I think he's the more technical striker compared to Heinrich being wild. However, that being said, I think Allen has way more tools to win. And if I don't pick him, Bilal Muhammad will unfriend me. So I do like Brendan Allen, uh, I, I'm curious to where his journey goes. I do see a lot of potential in that kid. Ceiling's really high. Absolutely.
0: Bilal doesn't seem like the unfriending type.
3: No, but I didn't let him borrow my computer for his show this weekend. So he was upset. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He was here. He was, dude, he was like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, above. he was in South he, Florida. He randomly hits me up. He's like, yo, um, show starts in an hour. Can I borrow your computer? I'm like, you know, you could do your show on the phone. He's like, yeah. I can. I was like, yeah, you're good, bro. Imagine this guy shows up at my house, borrows my computer, and then, like, drops it off. I don't see him again for a year. That would have been a good story.
0: It was it a big enough. seventh episode for Remember the Show, by the way, on this very channel with Dustin, Dustin Poirier Dustin and Paul Poirier. Felder, but I
3: got to say, man,
0: right? I wish he had your computer, but I wish he just had a fucking door or a quiet room. Did you see Jared Gordon, like, banging fucking pots and pans in the background of Bilal's show? I mean, I yeah. love me some Remember the Name, but, like, I'm an audio guy, so... I listened to that show. I wasn't necessarily watching it. And I hear all the pots and pans. I had to had to text my executive producer, Cody Merrow. Uh, you got to get that message to Bilal at about the point, fucking pots point, and
3: pans. At what point did anyone think it was a good idea for Bilal to shoot the show with Jared within a five foot, ten foot distance from him? Would you think that was going to go off smoothly? Right. I'm surprised he wasn't behind him hitting everything that whole time. Come on. But uh great episode for them as well.
0: All right, co-main event at heavyweight. Tanner the bulldozer, Bozer, minus two sixty. Andre Orlovsky is plus two twenty. We'll need the round and the method of victory. We will have Ian Parker lead here. So here's my thesis statement on the fight. I am calling it, but Bozer is a top twelve heavyweight in the world right now. I found I think six heavyweights in the world in the top fifteen. Uh, that I think he beats despite not being ranked. He's minus 260 here against the ageless Andre Orlovsky, who makes his 33rd UFC appearance here. Ian Parker, Bozer Orlovsky. Who do you like?
3: I can't believe how many fights Andre Orlovsky has had in the octagon. It, it it really is crazy. I remember his fights day back to Tim Sylvia. Um, I am such a Bozer fan here. Me too, bro. Such a big fan. Personality for days. Oh man, this guy's marketable. He is hilarious. He's humble great Twitter situation going on with him. And I think he's getting better every fight. I really, I really do. I don't think he's just a brawler. I think his striking has gotten way more technical. The angles he's taking, you know, the way he's moving his feet, he's not just bulldozing in no pun intended there. He really is just tightening up this game and the fight IQ. I, I'm so impressed. Cause when he first got into the UFC, you're thinking another brute brawler, a guy who's just going to, you know, rock him, sock him robot, but he's really being super efficient with, with these fights and he's finishing. And I think a guy in Orlovsky who does not threaten the takedowns, who is very hittable. I mean, like the most hittable person ever, potentially. And that's not a knock on him. It's just the way he fights as well. And his age, you know, nothing against Arlowski. He'll be an all-time great. I just think this is Tanner's fight to get a nice name on his resume. And I'm going to go knockout round one for Tanner.
0: Tanner Bozer, round one TKO or knockout. Kenny, we've talked about somebody grabbing this Canadian market by the balls, right, and, and selling out the Bell Center or somewhere else, Toronto or otherwise. We've talked about Hakeem Dawadu and others. And maybe Tanner Bozer with the mullet and missing teeth. He won't even tell you why he's missing the tooth. Don't ask him. We tried in a fighter meeting. He don't want to go down that road. Uh, but karate guy, very thoughtful martial artist, right, who you know, fancied himself a, a modern-day Lyoto Machida at times, has studied George St. Pierre. On the other side, Andre Arlovsky, the more known quantity – 41 years old, UFC debut was November 17th, 2000, UFC 28 high stakes at the Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And despite the fact, Kenny, that he was outside the UFC competing for more than six years from 2008 to 2014, he still could end up retiring with more UFC fights than anyone ever. Uh, And he won his last one on May 13th against Felipe Linz. What do you think about Arlovsky here trying to make it three wins in his last four as an underdog against Tanner Bozer?
1: You know, uh, this is a tough fight for Arlovsky. You know, he, he's been given a lot of tough fights. I I think that, um, he does have a whole lot of experience and we've saw, we've seen much better footwork, uh, and defensive responsibility from Arlovsky. Um, but we've still seen that inconsistency from him. And, and that's what worries me the most. Um, I've been a big fan of Arlovsky. I love that he's continuing to compete, uh, and challenge himself. I still think he's got some, uh, you know, fuel in the tank, but I don't like, I don't love this fight for him. I think Tanner Bozer, you know, a lot like Ian, I'm really high on this guy. I I think this is a guy who can go really far. Um, I I think he carries, um, you know, intelligence about him. Um, that I think will will take him a, a long way. I could definitely see him fighting for the belt uh, and possibly winning it. I think he also has the mindset where he's not going to be intimidated by a Francis Ngano. He's not going to be wowed by a Stipe Miacic and that kind of legend. He's out there to win. He stays focused. And I think he's going to do that against Arlovsky via knockout in round two look at Ken Flo just fucking
0: bringing it on Tanner the Bulldozer. That Bozer. was beautiful. I, I like sometimes when uh, when my opinion dovetails with Ken Flo, but I mean, you think his ceiling might be even higher than mine, but I'm telling you, the 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 best thing you probably said was that he is not a striker that will be intimidated in a striking realm with Francis Ngannou. He's just not. So maybe we found a guy who would fight Ngannou. All right, main event, Ken Flo trailing now, so he's going to lead off on the headliner here. Tiago Santos, minus modest 225, Glover Teixeira, plus 185. Poll results at Anik Florian pod about 78% of you on Santos, the other 22% on the underdog to So that kind of flows with the betting line. And I sort of feel like for different reasons, I really want to see both of these guys win. I know now it looks like Bohovic is going to fight out of Sanya, but it would be great to see Santos come back from the debilitating injury and win to I'm not sure he's ever been better than he is right now at 41 years old, Ken flow, but, uh, we need to know what you think of the betting number and ultimately which way you're going on the main event coming up in six days.
1: Well, I'll say this. Listen, if we see the Glover Teixeira um, that we've seen as of late, I think Teixeira could go out there and take down Santos. I don't think Santos um, is a big threat on the ground. I think that's always been a big vulnerability for him, uh, you know, especially Teixeira uh, with that background, I think could take advantage of that and, and maybe, uh, you know, lock up a rear naked choke. Um, do I see that happening? I don't. I think Tiago Santos is going to be able to stop the takedowns. I think his speed and power is going to be the difference here against Glover Teixeira. Uh, Teixeira has never been the fastest guy, but we have seen him slow down a little bit more. Um, and sometimes I think that, I don't know, I think with Glover, um, with his activity, I'm not sure yet if I can make a determination as to whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, because sometimes we've seen... Uh, Glover look amazing. And then other times he just seems like tired, like he's been through a brutal camp with injury. So that's a concern for me, um, you know, with him being uh, 41 years old. So uh, I'm going to go with Santos here. Um, You know, I, I think he wins and I think he wins early. I think that's his best shot against Teixeira is to get a win by knockout in round one. Round one
0: TKO for Tiago Santos is the way Kempflo's going on the main event. Broadcaster's dream with that first round finish, hitting a red eye to Miami right after the fight. So that wouldn't hurt. So Glover Teixeira has not lost since he turned 40. He's 41, four straight wins, all of them against good competition. On the other side, Ian, Santos's last fight against John Jones, I thought he fought exceptionally well. I felt like he easily could have won that fight 3-2. Uh, but it was July of 2019 during the fight, He injured the shit out of Jones's legs, but he sustained a torn left LCL, PCL, MCL, meniscus, cracked tibia, then a partially torn right ACL as well. It's been a long time. I think he's engaged to Yana Kunitskaya now, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, that is neither here nor there. Ian, do you see any value on Teixeira, and ultimately, which way are you going on the main event? I think he's actually married. Okay. yeah. yeah. It's a good update for me. I, I will, I,
3: I, I got to get that right on Saturday. So <laughs> look at that. I gave you a fucking fact for uh, something to talk to him about. That's amazing. Um, I'm not going to try and even pronounce your last name. So Santos, ah, there we go. So <laughs> you know what? Here, here's the thing. Um, 99.9% of the time I was going to agree with Kenny with that pick, but I don't know how I do that right now with Glover on the up and Santos hasn't fought in a long time coming off of double knee surgery, pretty much having to teach himself how to walk, you know? I mean, to me, I actually thought he was going to get a lesser fight. Um, Not saying that Glover is top two right now, but look, he dominated Anthony Smith. He's fought really well lately, and I think... Man, to Kenny's point, I don't think this goes to distance either which way. You know, you talk about a guy in Santos who's been out of the cage for a long time. Where's his cardio at with his knees? How long has he been able to really go hard with his knees? And how hard does he go because of his knees, you know? And with Glover, he's old. He's been through it. He's been through a lot of wars. Um, But this is the time to take a shot at the underdog here, you know? I'm going to ride the Glover momentum. uh, I like what Kenny said. Santos in his career has always, his biggest negative has been Fighting off his back. Not really a threat jujitsu-wise. I think Glover does get this fight down. Uh Uh-oh. We do get this fight to the ground. And I think Glover is going to win by a rare naked choke. I'm going to steal that from Kenny right here. That's where I'm going. Like I said, if any time for Glover to do it, it's right now. What round? Oh, I'm sorry. Give me round two.
0: All right. Round two by submission. And again, if the cardio is there and the hunger that was there for the Anthony Smith fight is there for Glover Teixeira, I I fancy him a live underdog as well. All right, at Ian Parker MMA on social media, his best bet coming your way after the weigh-in on Friday. 1-0, man. Good start. We'll talk to you next week.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. And real quick, if we don't see Anderson Silva in a UFC cage ever again, um, I thought he was winning that fight until he wasn't, to be honest. I thought he looked better than he did in a really long time. Uh, I think for Uriah Hall for his next fight, he can't wait that long. He really can't because right. that type of style that he was fighting doesn't win against top five competition in that yeah. division at all. Not to say that he doesn't have that potential. I'm not asking to change who he is marketing wise. I know he's really big on just showing the wins, but Henderson didn't really fight bad. And Kenny, I saw what you were on Twitter. You were right. Uh, until he got a little impatient and got too close. He he, he was winning two rounds to one. So you know, if we do see him again, though, I hope it's against another legend that he could kind of, you know, ride off into the sunset with a W potentially. So, yeah, you got All right, it,
0: buddy. Uh, best of luck on the board in the NFL. We'll talk to you next Monday. Yeah, later, guys. All right, Ian Parker with us for the main event challenge. Some NFL picks coming your way. On the way out of here, today's pick-to-click brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities. Expert editorial content and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. So, head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. That's OddsShark.com. Don't forget the second S. I'm competing against all these handicappers who do this for a living in the Capper Cup. I'm holding my own, but I don't think I'm going to win the thing. But I do have a chance to beat our producer, Cody Merrow, who now joins us wearing his Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey. Team Merrow, two, four and one, Annick four and three. So we're taping this episode right before the start of week eight. Kickoff in 33 minutes. So we have each given you a play already. Cody is on the Chargers, I believe, minus three. Yes, sir. And I am on the Buffalo Bills as a three and a half point home favorite against your New England Patriots. So we need one more play for week eight. Cody Merrow, who do you have for us?
1: John, I feel like we've really been shortchanging people with my just amazing accuracy in picks. So I'm going to give people a Monday night play, as you can see by my jersey. The New York Giants, they don't rank better than 27th in any offensive category. They face an aggressive Todd Bowles defense. They rank the best against the Rush, and they're fourth in the league in takeaways. I like Brady coming in here with a locked and loaded, healthy offense. They rank third in points scored, and they haven't even added Antonio Brown yet. Going to be a ridiculous year for them. And plus, John... We're all Patriots fans here. I fucking hate the New York Giants. Give me Tampa minus 12 and a half.
0: Well laid out, my friend. And uh, that's a pretty good number, 12 and a half. But yeah, I just don't see that New York Giants offense keeping up. Might have to tell you on Monday, but my other play on a Sunday is going to be the Miami Dolphins catching three and a half at home against Jared Goff and the L.A. Rams. L.A. has traveled a lot. They have a lot of wins, but a lot of them are not of a high quality. They've been beaten up on the NFC East. I think Brian Flores is going to have a game plan to keep his offense in it. It's Tua Tagovailoa's first NFL start today. He's left-handed. I just think this is a good time to back the Dolphins and you're getting a key number three and a half. So the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half, the pick to click for me in week eight. All right. Couple programming reminders. Remember, the show will be live this Thursday night with Bilal Muhammad and my brother Jason Anik in the co-host chair Thursday, 830 p.m. Eastern time. Guests to be determined. And those will come your way uh, on social media this week. Also, your homework. Because Ray Longo said this fan base turns over every four years, and because we got such great response telling people to go watch Kenny Florian versus Clay Guida, I'm not throwing out the Sean Shirk fight just yet, but just go watch Kenny Florian, Joe Lozon from two thousand eight, main event, Broomfield, Colorado, April second, two thousand eight, I believe. All the stuff that I remember that I don't need to. But UFC pass.com Florian Lozon, main event, and then hit me up on social media and tell me what you thought of that fight. And uh See how angry Ken Flo was in a main event setting, taking it out on a fellow Bostonian. Cody, do you remember that fight? You were like 12, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. All right, good. Ground and pound? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was born in 1993. Of course I do. But, oh, exactly. just ground and pound. Trying to kill him, man. Ken Flo at his prime. Unbelievable. But we got to get on out of here. We're back with you next Monday. Thanks to everybody who checked out the show, maybe for the first time last week on the heels of UFC 254. Merchandise is available, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com. Thank you to our sponsors, our guests, Ray Longo and Ian Parker. And we'll be back with you on Monday, November 9th. We'll recap Clover Teixeira and Tiago Santos. Until then, for Cody Maron, Kenny Florian, John saying so long. Thank you all. Love you all. Don't text and drive. Wear a mask unless you're Bryce Mitchell. I respect your take. Yo, later.